0: My friend's family uh, were very good friends with a a pastor that would serve in, um, I think it was uh, Euculet on Cortez Island. He was kind of preaching at different locations, helping these churches that didn't have a pastor. And uh, he had situated himself and his family, the large family, um, in Port Alberni. And uh, so we, we thought, well, we want to do this right, we want to do it with accountability. So... We were going to a different church. We were going to Aerosmith Baptist at the time. We went to a, the pastor there, sat down and said, we'd like to do this Bible study, and we have an accountability partner. Um, would you bless that? And he said, yep, bless that. So we started the Bible study. But in doing so, we, uh, we, uh, me and my friend Robert would sit down and do some study with this pastor who led us at the very beginning through this chapter of 1 Timothy chapter 3, specifically to lead us and teach us that although we weren't necessarily becoming elders of a church, that in our small group setting we were representing that same role. And those qualifications ought to be our objectives um, as young men, um, looking forward to what what are the characteristics, what are the qualifications that should be in our lives in order to teach other people. So since then, it's kind of always been one of the things that have been on my mind um, to, to look forward to, to, um, to uh, trying to tame to. Now, I have sure sinned in my life, and I have not lived up to this stuff, but um, it's always kind of been a great model to reach out for. So I think even though all of this stuff is specific to elders and deacons as you read it, uh, think about how it can apply to you. Think about how the things that are involved in there can be applied in your life and in your home. Um, that's my encouragement. Too. So to try to catch up with some of the stuff that was missed uh, when we talked about it in September. We read through Titus. Um, so Titus 1, 5. 9 we talked about the roles of elders and in Timothy it gets expanded on a bit uh, we get the roles of deacons as well I'll just read the the text this is a true saying if a man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given hospitality apt to teach not given to wine, no striker, not greedy a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice lifted up with pride, he fallen to the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the, the deacons must be brave not double tongues, not open to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith pure conscience, and let also let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their house houses well. For they that use the office of a deacon well purchase themselves a good degree and great boldness and faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Tarry long that thou mayest know thou how thou oughtest. To behave thyself of God, which is God, the pillar and ground of the truth. In to Jesus' name that you bless this message and also the technical microphone issues. We trust you, Lord, your word to to plant in our hearts like seeds and grow up, and trust that you're preparing our hearts as soil. We trust. For your word. In Jesus' name. So uh, there are sort of two lists going on in Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 3. Um, you have a list of elders and a list of deacons, and we've really done most of the elder stuff uh, in the chapter of Titus, so I'm not going to try and rehash all that stuff again. Um, but I would like to point out that there seems to be a connection between deacons and elders in terms of their qualifications, but not necessarily their roles so in qualifications Paul uses the word likewise to kind of tie them together and that's uh, I think it's important because although one list may not cover a particular quality you may think well, can that quality actually match say an elder's role or a deacon's role and I think a lot of times they do I think that's why he used the word likewise some are, I think are maybe highlighted more in repetition than in others um, so, the purpose of an elder differs from the purpose of a deacon, um, an elder, uh, it says that they, why would they leave the word of God to minister to tables? Not a bad thing to be ministering to tables, but the the elders were primarily supposed to be focused on the ministry of the word and the prayer, where deacons, um, we're going to be serving tables and taking care of the needs of uh, the congregation of the brethren. So, just to go through uh, some of the stuff that we miss, and I, I'm going to kind of truck through it because we don't have a lot of time. Um, uh, the stuff that's yellow here is, is indicating the um, the items that uh, we really didn't get through. Uh, Full of the Holy Ghost qualifications of elder and qualification of deacon would be full of the Holy Ghost. It's specifically highlighted when they were searching for the deacons, or they said, let's look at uh, seven men that are full of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so Acts 6.3, looking out among yourselves seven men of honor's respect, full of the Holy Ghost doesn't specifically say that somewhere else for elder, but when you actually look at the chapter before that, actually a few chapters before that, in Acts 2, elders are filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost on several occasions. Uh, Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Every time they're filled with the Holy Ghost, what do they do? Wish I had my laser in here. Does it got a laser? there we go, they began to speak. They said unto them, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So what's the result of speaking, of uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost? They're going to speak the word of God with boldness. Fruit is the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. If you compare that list to the list of the qualifications of elders and deacons, a lot of them are the same exact qualifications. And you will know them by their fruit. That's what Jesus said. You will know them by their fruit. Whether they're good or they're bad, you know them by their fruit. So how do you know if somebody's filled with the Holy Ghost? They're going to demonstrate that fruit, which is why a lot of them are qualifications of an elder or of a deacon. Also says that they ought to be full of wisdom. So, a lot of young guys are not necessarily full of wisdom. <laughs> so I was a young guy and I wasn't very full of wisdom when I was young, um, but as you get older, we learn, we gain wisdom, especially from mistakes that we've made. So, um, James says, but the wisdom from love is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. When you find someone who is meeting other things like meek and gentle, they have probably learned the opposite behaviors and they've learned to be quiet. I remember when I was a kid, I was told that a quiet tongue is a wise tongue. So, interesting when you see some uh, elders out there, who are quiet, and they listen to what has to be said more than they talk. This is probably something I need to learn, because I talk a lot. But they listen a lot, and they tell maybe less, but what they do tell is probably much more important than what they don't say. So, And the fear of the Lord, we know, is the beginning of wisdom. So if you find someone who fears God in, the, in their life and what they do, they they work out their salvation with fear and trembling. They would probably meet that qualification. They'd probably be wise of uh, good and honest report. This one is kind of you know it's being above reproach. Um, I think uh, this is one of the biggest ones that really hit me when I was like 18 or whatever doing this study was. How can I live my life? in an above reproach way, one that is of good report. How, how do I live my life where, a, you know, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. How do I live my life so that when they think of my name or they think of, hey, there's Cody, is he honorable? You know, is that someone that we respect? Or do I do things that are not going to do Well, or or reflect the Lord well. So, obviously, you want an elder or deacon to represent the Lord and to represent Lord well. So, moreover, he must be of good report of them with of them that are without. So, not just the people in the church, but of of those outside. You know, I work in a secular environment. Does do my actions in that secular environment represent Christ? Uh, not covetous and just. So we did talk about not giving to filthy lucre uh, in the Titus study, and, and covetousness expands beyond just giving to money. Um, if you're constantly thinking about what can I get, what do I want to fulfill my life with the things, then you're kind of your heart set where? Set in the world, isn't it? Uh, you know and, and it's sure it's a struggle we're constantly hit by advertising and media and those kind of things but for all we're thinking about is and and I could be guilty of flipping through Facebook marketplace is there a deal in there might be something I need but still you can kind of, oh, oh oh there's that you know and you start realizing hmm where's my treasure <laughs> right is it where your treasure is there your heart will be also so just be careful Um about being covetous above things. It's so easy. We have so much in this part of the world, don't we? So much, and there's sometimes where I just uh, say, maybe we should just unplug the internet and get rid of the TV and get rid of all the stuff. How many guitars does a guy need? How many guns does a guy need? You know, how many things does a guy need, right? Or gal, not just the guys, so, anyway. Let your conversation. Uh, conversation is not only the things that we say, it's how we act, and how we do things. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be, and be content with such things as you have. Be content with what you have. Don't be worried about Black Friday, right? Because Black Friday is all about what you don't have yet. And of course, we know in Exodus, thou shalt not covet. And there's a big list. The neighbor's house, neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, ass, or anything else that is thy neighbor's. So don't worry about what somebody else happened to get. Oh, man, I wish I had a boat like Jerry. Or, you know, I wish I had that RV. Or He's got that side-by-side, or whatever it is, bigger TV, bigger house. He's got a workshop that exceeds mine. It's easy for us to get caught up. We not say it the same way, but we might think it. I wish I had a garage like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's got that tool. Wish I had that tool. I'm relating male things because that's what I relate to. <laughs> so I don't know what it is on the female side, but um, I'm sure you guys can put your own imagination to it. Also, uh, here's a warning. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayer... Therefore you shall receive greater damnation. There are those who specifically go out and and consume widows' stuff. There are priests that go out and say, you need to pay for your deceased husband and put the card on the table and we'll put the mass over it. And they keep trying to say, well, you know, you need to put more into the pot for that person's, Time and perdition. That literally happens today still. How many thousands of dollars are you going to put in so we can put that card on the table with your husband's name on it and do the mass over it? Devour windows houses. And are there other ways in our own evangelical churches where people take advantage of those? Right? Um, Here's a hint. If you've got a television preacher and their name has something to do with money like is it Jethro Dollar? I think it was one of the, one of the big preachers again. Go, oh god, to come on down here and, and, and pay us, you know, or here's another hint. If they say, you know, for your free offering or for your, your love offering, we'll give you a free copy of such and such DVD or whatever that you need. How many people will put money into that? And if you start looking in the cases, there have been widows that have Dump money into those supporting those Benny Hens and those dollar guys and all these. Well, wow, that's something that's It's a, a big warning. Something to be very afraid of in terms of uh, being a leader, uh, in terms of being a, a believer. What What are you, are you being a good steward of what comes in and you're not taking advantage of people? In your own business practices, you know, I, I, in my work, last thing we want to do is take advantage of anybody. I mean, you're in business to make money. That's what business is for. There's no question. But you don't want to take advantage of anybody. And a lot of times, when I'm selling stuff, I'll say, you know, this is your decision. Um, here's the options. And if somebody comes in and says, "Can you make this or that?" I say, before we go too far, this, it's probably going to be way more than you think it's going to cost. So before we go down this road and then all of a sudden I'm giving you a bill for a thousand bucks and you're like, well, I thought it was a five-minute job. First of all, there's no such thing as a five-minute job. So that's something that you can all learn right now. There's no such thing as a five-minute job. It takes longer not to talk about it than it does to actually do it. And so I try and tell people, hey, you know, when uh w- when I see something on the horizon that maybe they can go down the road and get it cheaper too, I'll say, hey, there's a guy down the road that does some metal work go get something done over there because my shop's going to charge you too much. Okay, so I think it was good to represent well uh, and not ever take advantage of anybody. You get a better reputation, and that person will probably send somebody else my way for a job that does work better for both of us. That's how I look at it. Just. Now, this kind of flows right off of that. Uh, we need to be just in our lives, don't we? God said he hates an unequal balance. He hates it. That's, uh, strong words. When God says he hates something, then we should be paying attention to that. He hates the uneven balances. Uh, scales that have, you know, it says it's a pound, but it's actually marked out as, it's actually weighs in higher than a pound. You know, it's gotta be pound for pound. It's gotta be honest. So whenever we do something, we have to really weigh it out right. Uh, Jesus said we're, we have to have our yay, yay, and our nay, nay. There should be no gray areas in there. No gray areas. The just shall live by faith, and we live by faith. So therefore, we should also be just, because God is just, and the justifier of many. false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just is his delight. Abomination is a very strong word. So, when something says, when the Bible says abomination, you don't want to do that. And that goes back to the fear of the Lord. You, see, you ought to fear that when God says, that's an abomination. Fear God. Patient. I told you we were talking about patience. So, to patient. Preach the word, be in some out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Did I hear the word patient there? Well, long suffering is the other word for patience. I'm breaking up on this one too. Why i facing? No. Okay. The technical issues on the system. We're going to long for through it. Right now, that's what we're going to do. Um, 312, therefore, as an the act of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, mind, meekness, and long suffering. And there are so many more scriptures about suffering. Some things are going to be hard or difficult or frustrating. And how we behave through that is how we represent Christ. So we will suffer long through it get out of it or get beyond it you know speaking as you know, a scripture that says you know looking forward Hebrews 11 where they look forward to a land Abraham look for a country out oh, there it's in the future God's going to come and, and fix this earth got a new heaven a new earth coming and we are looking forward to that so it should us to be more patient with all the frustrating things going on right now because we have our mind and our eye on things, right? So we ought to be a good behavior, vigilant. Say that right. Great. Don't have a lot of time. I'm gonna bust through these. Good behavior. I think we all know that we ought to behave well, because in all things you do, we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord, right? Colossians 3, 23. And something that kind of hit me a few years ago was that if we are supposed to not take the Lord's name in vain, then that everything we do, because we're representatives of Jesus Christ, ought to be above reproach and of good behavior. Everything we do, not just everything we say, but everything that we do, because when we don't represent Christ well... We're called Christian and the world says, what are you doing? You're supposed to be like, have you ever heard that? I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Thought you were supposed to behave a certain way. The world knows what we're supposed to behave like, doesn't it? They know and so we ought to behave well to represent Christ. David said, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Vigilant. This one I think is really important, and it's kind of poignant to the whole discussion here. Leaders and everybody ought to be, every, every believer ought to be, Looking for those wolves, right? We ought to be looking for subversion coming in. We ought to be looking for the day of Christ's return. So we know that wolves are going to come, and we know that Christ is coming. And for those both things, we're looking at the horizon. We're looking out there being vigilant. If you don't watch something sneaks in. So we need to be on guard all the time. And leaders are shepherds. You know, they, they lie in the gateway of the shepherd fold to prevent the wolves from coming in. They are watching. We all need to watch. And remember, we talked about being sober a couple months ago. You can't watch very well if you're drunk or if you're distracted, or if your mind isn't on the word, paying attention, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, be sober and vigilant, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, which, and the place we hide ourselves is in the word of God, but the simple pass on and are punished. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for we know not when the time is. We need to watch, be vigilant. Grave means to be serious. Now we can have fun, right? But let's also be serious. When I when I therefore was thus minded, I did, did I use lightness? You know, when Paul was talking about serious things, he kept it serious. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. I don't think I see anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus makes a joke. He seems to be serious about everything he says, because it's all very important. He's not making light of anything in there. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Levity. You don't hear that word very much anymore. But when you have levity, you're jesting, you're making light of things. Some people do this. They like to say something, maybe even hurtful, and then recall it. Just kidding. Say something. uh, Just kidding. The dart was still there, wasn't it? The hurt was still there. So we should be careful with what we say. Again, we're representing Christ. The leadership has to represent Christ. But every believer is a leader as well, aren't they? As every believer looks towards their master and serves, and a servant is a leader. Jesus actually led us by that example. He washed our feet, washed the the disciples' feet, and He said, as you see me do, you do also. And if you are a child of God, like we sang today, then you're representing Jesus Christ to the world, so when they look to you, They should see you reflecting him. That makes you a leader. You're supposed to lead people to Christ. Isn't that the phrase that we like to use? So when you look at these verses and this passage, apply it to your life. Apt to teach. Not everybody's going to be apt to teach. That's why it's a qualification of an elder. But even in the small way, just by having a life that... Uh, is an example of Christ? Are you not teaching the world to 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 seek out Christ deacons just going to touch on it real quick, not going to go down this one, but it 's interesting that the deacon 's list actually talks about how the wife of the deacon ought to behave. i think it 's really neat because it 's a team effort there so if the qualifications of of the deacon is to be the husband of one wife he 's a male. His wife has also got a bunch of qualifications. She's got to be grave, not uh, not a slanderer, sober and faithful in all things, so that they together will serve. It's pretty hard to say, well, just as the husband's got to serve, and let the wife not be involved. I think she's going to be very involved. So how about you guys? You're going to take this passage... Think it through, meditate on it, apply it to your life, make them goals to attain to. We're all called, aren't we? We're all elect, we're called, for you see you're calling brethren. We're all called. So let's all serve. Are you living with integrity, of honest report, hospitable, of good behavior, sober, patient, Temperate, this is just some. Oops. Don't leave the responsibilities just to your elders and deacons. When Lauren read the passage this morning. Kind of two things actually popped in my head. One, the very first verse in, in this passage, it said that if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now Jethro says to Moses, What you're doing is not good. So then he says, I'll tell you what's good. And that's to appoint the leadership and the structure that was involved there. So that was interesting that Paul says Having the leadership structure and ordering things like this is good. It's a good thing. I love how the scriptures tie themselves together. This is amazing. The foundation of that leadership is set in Exodus, and Paul's saying, now let's apply that to our churches. Now, what was the smallest denomination of leader in there? Did you catch it? Went down to ten. Went down to tens. So, while well, we divide ourselves up, we have about 20 people here today, I'm guessing. In our fullness, 60-something, 60 65 probably. How are we divided up? How? How? Where are the leaders that are taking care of 10s? When you serve, you are qualifying as a leader. When you are meeting these qualifications that we go through... When you desire that good thing, who are you praying for? Who are you sharing the word with? We can do this in that small scale. Are you being subject to one another in humility, or do you puff yourself up? Are you washing each other's feet? And one thing I will say, I see great things in, in the, the summer time when everybody's going out there working on different people's yards and helping each other out. Uh, and then there's so many ways that people are serving here. And accolades, Lauren, you and your family, so much that you're serving here on, a, on every Sunday basis. Thank you for doing that and to your whole family. And everybody else should not rely on the Bergs to make sure that everything's happening. How are we all contributing to these daily needs and and to ministering the Word of God to each other, to encouraging each other? Resisting the devil together. When somebody's having that battle, are we coming alongside them, fighting it with them? Praying through it. Lifting up the word of God. Preparing one another for Christ's return. Are we encouraging each other? I know it's hard right now, but guess what? Jesus is coming soon. When he comes back, he's going to fix it all. It's going to be with judgment, but it's going to be glorious for those who believe. Isn't it? So even though you might be in a situation you don't know how to get out of right now, Maybe you're not in that situation right now, but remember that I said it. Because when it happens, Jesus is coming. The The stuff that happens are just birth pangs. Aren't they? They're just, it's like as a woman who travaileth in birth. That's, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. It's going to be these birth pangs. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be trials. Acts... Fourteen twenty-two says that we must by much tribulation enter the world, the kingdom of God. So it's going to get tougher, but Jesus is coming. It's going to get tougher, but Jesus is coming. Encourage each other in that. These things write I unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So all of this is so that we can behave ourselves well, be a good representation of Jesus Christ, like the lights on the hill, until Christ's return. So let's look forward to that when Jesus comes back, and let's behave ourselves well in the meantime. Let's serve each other. Let's pray for each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word and uh, that you are coming back. Thank you that you help us to be patient and, and temperate and just and holy and of good report and all these hard things to attain to. They're not by our works. We know that it's your Holy Spirit that does that work in us. We know that we can trust you and your word to be spoken into us as faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. We know that your Holy Spirit gives us that life, quickens us. We know that you make us into new creatures. That you make us free. And that we can look forward to your coming again. Help us to be prepared for the Trials and tribulations that are in our lives now and, and will continue to come until the day that you come and take us home. Thank you that you're preparing a, a place for us. Thank you, for, thank you that we can have joy in you. Joy in the midst of suffering. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us every day. Help us to have that hour of quiet that we sang about earlier with you every day so we can recharge, be refilled, and for those days that, that we, we, we get busy, that life gets in the way, that you just be gracious and still fill us with your Holy Spirit. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.